I want to welcome you to the inaugural Battleground Florida podcast. I am Christopher Heath coming to you from the Parish Medical Center podcast studio in all of its glory. Today we have Eddie Fernandez. He was the clerk of courts for Orange County. He lost his election to keep that position. And we have Bob Yoshevsky. He represented part of Orange County in the Florida legislature and lost his election. Both of these men losing elections mainly because they're Republicans in a county where being a Republican does you no favors. Very excited to be here, Chris. Thanks for having us. Any, any memories from this inaugural one you want, pictures you want to take, go for it. Um, but the reason I have both of you on is you both represent what is becoming a dying breed here in Orange County, and that is elected Republicans. You both held office, and that was about the end of it because the county's going blue, Correct. I think he just called us a dinosaur, Bobby. I'm not sure. It's either that or a rhino, but uh, we, we, we'll leave that for now. I don't know about a rhino, but I, <laughs> I definitely would, uh, you know, agree that there's definitely a changing landscape, uh, you know, here in Orange County. And, you know, particularly with my background being a former uh, Winter Garden City Commissioner where there's a nonpartisan race and then running for uh, the state house, which is a partisan race. There's a big difference running when you have uh, a letter next to your name. No, no question about that. Can Republicans win in this county anymore or has the party moved or has the county moved? Well, I have the dubious distinction of being the last Republican constitutional officer, a countywide office uh, in, in Orange County. And, and uh, I can tell you that growing up here in, in Orange County and having been here the vast majority of my life, uh, I think the county has moved. I think this was a county that in, in my childhood and, and uh, into my teen years, um, onto my educational years, this was a Republican county, a Republican stronghold. Um, and in my adult life, I've seen it uh, transform from, from purple to, to navy blue, some would say. And along that line, though, I mean, the party, though, seems to have moved. The Democratic Party seems to have moved to the left, but the Republican Party, to an extent, has moved to the right leaving the county to pick one or the other, and it seems like the county for now has picked to be a Democratic county. This does not bode well for Republicans, at least in the short term, correct? I would say so. You look at my you know, last result from the state house race, uh, just losing by uh, 1% of the, of the votes in the last really you know, red part of the county. And like Eddie you know, said, he was the last constitutional officer. I was the last state house member uh, as a Republican Party in Orange County. And, and it, it, it makes it exceedingly difficult. But at the same time, I, I, I do think that uh, it all comes down to the NPAs here in Orange County. And if whoever is able to uh, talk to them and be able to you know, convince them, because a lot of things that we see in the national um, you know, political discourse, no question, this is ground zero here on the I-4 corridor when you're looking at a presidential race here in 2020. But also in Orange County, a lot of these nationalized issues become local uh, you know, issues here that you face in a local election. And um, like in this last uh, in, in, in this last election that I felt uh, that I that I was in, there was a lot of uh, things that were nationalized. It had nothing to do with our local community, had nothing to do with local state politics. But everything is focused and I think a hypersensitive, uh, you know, focus on the national politics on, you know, who's in the White House. Did you feel like in your last election you had to not only defend your record, but also you had people that were wanting to talk to you about Trump, even though, listen, it's a Florida House race, yet you mentioned it's a nationalized thing. And so not only are you running for your seat, but you're kind of running against a headwind of what has become a very nationalized political environment. 
I, I think when you look at the district, and when, uh, Florida House District 44, which is pretty much Orange County District 1, and you look at, uh, you know, the demographics in there, we've had, you know, great results as our last really Republican area. And like Eddie said, I mean, it's gone to purple to now probably, you know, trending blue. I think it was as purple as it could get uh, when I, you know, just ran. But then now even even a couple months following that, it's, it's changing uh, dramatically. Uh, but you look at Trump lost in 2016 when Eric Eisnagel was in that seat. He lost District 44. And you just see that trend continuing when you have the national, um, I'm sorry, Hillary Clinton won, uh, I, was, I meant to say, Hillary won, you know, in, in 2016 in the district. And, you know, you just see that, you know, getting more and more bluer as, as time goes on. Is the GOP going to write off Orange County? I mean, why waste time? Why waste resources? We didn't even see a candidate fielded against Val Demings in the last election. So, you know, why bother if you're not going to win? That's a good question, Chris, but it really is going to depend on what what layer, what level of the GOP we're talking about. Um, I've worked as as a political analyst and I've also consulted on some statewide campaigns. And I will tell you that something I always tell them is that you can expect Orange County and other counties uh, similarly situated. Um, you're gonna, you can expect NPAs to break in a ratio or a proportion that's relatively similar uh, to the registration of Demo- Democrats and Republicans. It's a rule of thumb. It's not accurate, but it's, it's, it's pretty close. And what I can tell you working on these statewide campaigns and, and national campaigns is that um, they're, they're not ignoring Orange County by any means, and I'll tell you why. It's because their attitude about Orange County and surrounding counties is we need to minimize our loss so we can take the state. Um, so it, it, they're not trying to win Orange County. I think that it has been written off for victory purposes, but it, it has not been written off in terms of minimizing a loss. If you don't get certain communities here, uh, particularly the NPAs, to, to go your way, you can't win at a statewide level. You need those numbers to aggregate statewide. But, I mean, in the broader sense of that, okay, so you mitigate your losses here, but you're not going to elect Republicans in an Orange County seat unless there is some bleed over. You look at Jennifer Sullivan's district, right. it leaches over into Lake County. You you look at Coach P's district, same thing, it picks up some of Brevard County. If it's not for Brevard and Lake, neither one of them gets elected. Well, on the, on the, at, the, at, the at the local level, I think you're, you're exactly right. I, on a statewide level, though, I think that, that mitigation is very important. But it, it, it's a very interesting feeling as an Orange County Republican, I will tell you this, because when the whole party and the whole country is, is very exuberant about the Republican victories nationwide and statewide and such, all of a sudden in Orange County, you have a sort of a very depressing feeling sometimes as an Orange County Republican, because you're saying to yourself, what surrounds me doesn't feel like a win, but then on a national and statewide level, it does. And, that, and that's tough for candidates, right, Bobby? Oh, there's no question, uh, you know, about that. I mean, you know, you look at, uh, you know, I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting a loss. And to see, you know, having, you know, the negative of 1% in, in the column there was surprising. Uh, same with uh, my colleague, uh, Bob Cortez, which had, you know, Orange and, and, and Seminole County. And then you look at David Smith and Scott Plakin in Seminole County just squeaking, you know, out their victories uh, for the state house as well. I think Eddie is uh, spot on uh, when you look at uh, what's going on here in Orange County. When you say, is the GOP writing off you know, Orlando and Central Florida? Absolutely not. Um, you know, a, a good friend of mine, Alex Garcia, who's heading up uh, Trump's campaign here in the state of Florida, has an outstanding plan, uh, not only for Central Florida, but for the whole state. And it is about making sure, you know, Republicans and Trump voters are coming out to, to mitigate the loss, because at the same time, you know, you look at where, you know, on a, on a national scale for the presidential race, you know, your larger cities are going to be very blue and Orlando's right there with them. 
But then you look at um, the more rural areas of the state, and that's where the, the victory is going to be, you know, held for the Republicans. So, yes, I mean, Orange County and, and the I-4 corridor is going to be ground zero, as it always is, and this year more than ever, because there are already operatives on both sides of the aisle already staking their claim, already operating here within Orange County and, and greater Central Florida uh, from Daytona to uh, Tampa Bay. Stepping a little bit outside of the county boundaries, are we seeing Seminole County maybe make that shift to being a little more blue than it used to be? I mean, this is a county much like um, what you saw in the 2016 then to 2018 election cycle. You know, Marco Rubio did very well in Seminole. Donald Trump didn't crack 50%. And then in Seminole in 2018, all of a sudden you have not only did Bill Nelson carry the county, but, but so did Andrew Gillum. So this is a county that it appears like is, is kind of going almost the same direction. Is that kind of where we see that breaking now? I think it was very surprising when you looked at this last election, like I, I just mentioned, um, you know, with uh, David Smith and Scott Plakin just eking out a victory in Seminole County. But what's even more surprising is Senator Scott, Governor DeSantis, and none of the uh, Republican cabinet members won Seminole County. I mean, countywide. And, and I think that's a, 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 you know, a big shock to everybody. Would that be setting off alarm bells at the GOP? Oh, it did set off alarm bells. And I know the uh, Seminole County leadership is doing what they doing, everything they can on, on voter registration and making sure that I think messaging gets out. But, uh, you know, just looking at, um, you know, just from experience being on, on, you know, the ground level and knocking on doors and talking to voters every day, I will tell you that, ironically, this was the quietest campaign I've ever been involved in in my life. I mean, between me, myself, my volunteers, phone calls, there was not negative, even on social media, uh, you know, as it were, it could be, you know, the wild, wild west. I mean, there were some, you know, nationalized comments directed at me, but it was never anything that we felt that there were alarm bells coming. But you, you hit the nail on the head, Chris. I mean, the results speak for themselves. And I think what you do is you have folks in, in Seminole and Brevard, you know, you mentioned how, you know, Brevard for, you know, Coach P, uh, you know, you know saved his seat there. And I think that's where the focus is. The I-4 quarter is still is tremendously important, but at the same time, it's making sure we're going to get every Republican vote that we can uh, to mitigate the national losses. But then also at the same time, you know, it is a new day in, in Orange County for sure. I mean, without without the district boundaries changing, do either one of you, as long as you're Republicans, stand a chance of holding office here in Orange County? Well, you ask an, an interesting question. I, I actually want to walk through through Seminole County uh, for for a second, Chris, on on your point there. You know, I, I'll give you an anecdote. Um, I stopped by the Seminole Seminole County uh, Republican Executive Committee uh, party on election night, and it was I got there, and it was a it was like it always is, very happy. This is Seminole County. Republicans win. That mood changed very quickly when results started coming in this year. Um, you know, if you look at the numbers um, in Seminole County, there's only a six thousand registered voter difference between Republicans and Democrats. That's in Seminole County, Florida, a Republican stronghold. I'm using air quotes for those of you listening. Um, and so so that is uh, that that's the thing when you know, when you start to look at um, folks like Bobby or me or, or, or other candidates um, who, who are Republicans uh, running in Orange County, it, I actually uh, think back to um, some of my debates uh, when I was running to stay as the clerk of courts. I had a very uh, friendly race with my opponent. Um, but the, the reality of that, one of the things we vehemently disagreed on at every debate and on the campaign trail 
was whether or not uh, the clerk of courts, a the only uh, officer of the judicial branch that is not a judge, uh, should be a partisan race or not. That's one of the things we vehemently disagreed on. I thought it should not, um, and it uh, and of course she she thought it should. But I, I think that that begs a question: Is, is that a, a substantive difference, or is it is it a political one? And and I think when when we start evaluating races, it really makes more sense to 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 look at nonpartisan races. Um, my take is that the voter in that in that constitutional office, for example. Parties shouldn't make a difference. It's it's about it's a management job. It's about doing a great job and doing a lot of service for the community uh, through that role. What are the conversations like right now at the Orange County GOP about getting people elected? Because that's the only point of a party at the end of the day is to get some wins on the board. Yeah, you can mitigate national losses. Donald Trump could carry Florida and lose Orange County, but you can mitigate that. But at the end of the day, if you can't get members elected from within the county, what good are you as a party? What kind of conversations are being had about that right now? Well, you know, Christopher, one thing I'm, I'm often approached about, uh, uh, obviously English is my, my second language, uh, you know, I'm Hispanic. One of the things I'm often uh, approached about is, um, hey, what can we do to outreach to, to the Hispanic community, the ever-growing Puerto Rican community, to, to all of those communities in, in Central Florida? And I, one of the conversations that I often hear and I, and I hear very frequently um, is, you know, it seems to us, meaning uh, the GOP, that a lot of our value systems are very aligned uh, with with groups um, like this, but there's a communication gap and an affiliation history that doesn't quite align. Um, and so um, a lot, I hear a lot about an information gap, meaning um, Republicans doing a poor job of messaging, Republicans doing a poor job of explaining the value system that might align with some of the communities that are that are arriving in Central Florida. And I think that's one of the one of the conversations I, I am certainly regularly approached about. I'll follow up on that. And I agree with Eddie. And I don't know if it's, you know, a tactical, you know, communication error and not reaching out. But um, when I was a Winter Garden commissioner, uh, many people don't know that I was the first Caucasian to hold my seat in Winter Garden over 30 years. And before I ran, I, I, I focused extensively in the African-American community uh, that I'd be representing there. And I will tell you, even though it was a nonpartisan race and you're having conversations, uh, I mean, the majority of African-American, particularly families that uh, you know, attend church regularly, are absolutely Republicans by value and by what they explain their worldview is. But there would, you know, getting them to not you know, see the R and the D on the ballot box, that's the, the hurdle to overcome. But when you're looking at the values of the voters and so forth, I think a lot more people would align with, uh, you know, the Republican Party than actually are, are filling in the oval next to the name uh, with the R at the ballot box. But you're making an argument that you can go person by person and say, here are the values I stand for. I am for limited government. I am for getting the government out of your way. I am for these certain family values. I am for all these things. But that is that is a person-to-person -person argument. We are seeing very much broad-based arguments on this, and that is that, you know, well, no, but the party actually stands for this, and it's kind of that mis miscommunication or kind of misconception of what the party actually stands for, and, and that seems to be to your detriment because it does seem like, at least at the national level, the Republican Party is, you know, antithetical to these things, whereas you're trying to say, no, no, I'm, I'm in line with your values, 
we need to get on the same page. But that is a person-to-person versus kind of a broad-based question. And, and once again, I, I, that's the, the, the crux of, uh, you know, the, the, the hurdle that we need to get over here in Orange County. And um, it, it comes down to when you're in the partisan race, like I said, I, I've seen it. I mean, having the R next to your name versus having no party affiliate or, you know, running in a nonpartisan race, you know, you see that. You see that, you know, very, very clearly. But what I think, um, you know, and we saw that in this last election where you mentioned before, Chris, about a protest vote. I think that happens. I think, you know, politics has become so nationalized and so so polarizing that it's an us versus them. And, you know, and as Eddie brought out, I mean, you want to talk to people one on one. I mean, and I've witnessed it for him. I've walked for Eddie in the past and I know he's walked for me. And, you know, when you're able to you know, com- communicate to people one on one, that makes a big difference. But in this world of, uh, you know, mass media, and, and, and social media, it's hard to get that that, that message out. And I, and I think it sounds like we're kind of converging on what the real obstacle and difficulty is for, you know, Republicans, you know, nationwide and here in Orange County is because the national narrative has become so prominent. It's hard to hear that voice way down on the ballot when everyone's focused, you know, at the top line of the ticket. When we talk about that, and, and I want to get to this this point here, you have local elections and you have local people you should be you should be getting to know but we focus on that top of the ticket in 2018 you're running donald trump isn't even on the ballot in 2018 yet he looms over the race the same way as if you had been running in 2010 barack obama wouldn't have been on the ballot yet he would have loomed over the race and we don't get into this idea of having the politics be at the local level it becomes nationalized is there a way to cut through that nationalization and say, listen, just focus on what I'm doing, ignore what the president says, ignore what Congress is doing. I'm representing this one specific area. I'm representing this one specific county. Well, um, I, I, I tend to say, unfortunately, no. I, I, I think it's very hard to cut through that national narrative in mass. I think on an individual level, yes. I think on... Uh, voters who are hyper-involved in the process? Yes, definitely. I think uh, with voters who don't follow a lot of local politics, don't follow a lot of local issues, and uh, but are super voters or show up to vote most years, I think with, with those types of voters, I think that is a very difficult task. I think they're hearing a lot of cable news, a lot of online news that is very nationalized. Uh, now with great podcasts like this, maybe there's a, an avenue uh, for them to become more engaged. In the first and, episode, it'll get worse from here. <laughs> <laughs> I think that means we're the best, Bobby. What do we you think? I, yeah, yeah. It'll be canceled after this, so it'll yeah. be the worst and the best. Um, yeah. No, when I, I guess I want to kind of drill down to this and kind of in closing okay. here, and that is, is Orange County lost to the GOP for the time being? I, I wouldn't say it's lost. I mean, in this last, I mean, we going on, you know, our last, uh, you know, question here. I, I think Donald Trump was on the ballot in 2018 for Democrats and NPAs, no doubt about it. Was Donald Trump on the ballot for Republicans? No. And I think what we're going to see in 2020 with Donald Trump on the ballot, it's going to generate a whole lot of folks that have not voted in a while. You're going to see record turnout. So there is an opportunity for Orange County and an opportunity uh, to make sure we get you know voters coming to the ballot box. It's going to be difficult. I mean, every race is nationalized, and that's what's so um, you know, difficult on that, you know, if you're running with an R next to your name or a D next to your name in, in Orange County. 
But at the same time, you know, cutting through the clutter is difficult, but you know, you have to run, uh, the cliche is always, you have to run your race. And, you know, it's going to take a lot of hard work and effort, you know, one-to-one -one voter, you know, reaching out one voter at a time. But I, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, it's always going to be a challenge. It's always going to be a tough race. I think what Orange County is becoming is what we see in, 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 in statewide races. Uh, you know, just like we saw with Rick Scott and uh, Ron DeSantis, our governor and senator, 1% both go to recounts. I mean, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a squeaker uh, in any race here in Orange County from now on. How much did you hear about national issues when you knocked on doors and you want to talk about local issues and people want to talk to you about national? And like I said, it was a very quiet campaign. It was very, very positive. Obviously, we were reaching out to folks that, uh, you know, I was obviously we were reaching out to Republicans and then, you know, other NPAs and even Democrats as well. And even the Democrats, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a volatile. I did not hear it. I mean, and my volunteers did not hear it. I mean, I mean, you get it, you know, once in a blue moon, but, you know, there's nothing that you would call a pattern. And that's what made it so odd. But then when you look at the results on who showed up and who stayed home, it was definitely, you know, a protest vote and, uh, you know, people making a statement and there was nothing they were going to protest about, uh, you know, anything but the president in the White House. This also doesn't bode well, as we've seen Orange County go from being quasi purple to solidly blue. If the other parts of the state do the same thing, the Tampa media market, the Miami media market, the Jacksonville media market, if we start to see those go from being toss ups to more solidly blue, that changes the state fundamentally. I think if you look at the state of Florida, you have, uh, you know, Miami, Broward and Palm Beach counties, I mean, already solidly blue. And you look at what's happening here in Orange County and Orlando, uh, solidly blue. I, I think that, you know, the next two markets that you have to look at would be Tampa Bay and uh, Jacksonville. And just in this, uh, you know, last race that, uh, you know, that I was in, uh, you know, we saw, you know, Governor DeSantis and Senator Scott basically uh, pull anywhere from, you know, 36, 37, 35 percent in that in that range of within Orange County. In Tampa, they were 42, 43, 44 percent, somewhere in that range. So that's the ceiling. And so you can see, I, I think all eyes would be on Tampa and, and you know, uh, St. Petersburg and to see, you know, where that's been, uh, where they're able to hold to be able to protect their down ballot uh, Republicans. And then, you know, I think, you know, after Tampa, you have to take a, you know, serious look at Jacksonville, which in their city core is definitely Democrat, but the larger surrounding suburbs of Jacksonville you know, save, uh, the, you know, the Jacksonville market for the GOP. How long does the GOP hold on to Florida? Well, that's an interesting question. When we when we look at, at Florida, right, we, we always hear it, that the I-4 corridor is the swing part of the swing state that, uh, that makes uh, so many presidential decisions. Uh, when we look at the impact that the upper Midwest had on this election and Florida had on this election, um, it's very interesting to, to me to see where the next couple presidential cycles take us. Because in the state of Florida, what is, is very important is to look at who is moving into the urban centers, but also who's moving into the rural areas. We are one of those unique places in the United States where we actually have an increasing population 
population in, in our rural areas because of a lot of retirees. Um, and we call them rural in Florida, but in some places those are urban. Uh, we look at the villages and we look at um, uh, Broward County and, and that sort of thing. So when we start to put together all of these puzzle pieces, Florida, not I think in the predictable future, remains a toss-up state. It becomes, uh, it becomes very unpredictable. Um, it really depends on the growth uh, ratio between urban and what we call rural in Florida and how that impacts it. Maybe it's another cycle. Maybe it's two. Maybe it starts to flip-flop. Is the GOP in danger of seeing Tampa become Orlando? Are they in danger of seeing Jacksonville become Orlando? And that is, to an extent, listen, we'd love to do better there, but we just can't win anymore. Well, I mentioned uh, earlier that one of the things that statewide strategists, uh, both for presidential races and also statewide offices in, uh, from the state of Florida, what they do is try to minimize losses in these in these locations. And so you have to, to look at that from that perspective as well. How, how are statewide races going to be minimizing in those urban areas? Uh, all of them, because it's already happening in Tampa and Jacksonville, uh, certainly in Orange and Miami-Dade. Um, but I think that process uh, continues. Um, but there are certain demographic strongholds that Republicans have Republicans have in those. So, for example, Cuban-Americans in Miami-Dade and Hillsborough, uh, for example, right? Th that is a, although the newer generations are, are softer in, in, in the Republican uh, stronghold, they are nonetheless uh, Republican, uh, Republican segments in those, in those blue counties. That is all of our time for this inaugural podcast. I am Christopher Heath for Battleground Florida. If you like this podcast, you can find more of them at WFTV slash podcasts. If you really like it, go on to iTunes, Apple, Stitcher, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Leave a written review. Five stars would be fantastic. Four stars, not quite as good. So let's try and get the five in there. But we'll do more of these. We'll try and get them better each time. And I'll try and keep the swearing down at least going forward.